Thank you for listening to the Trinity Baptist Church podcast from Asheville, North Carolina. For more information on Trinity Baptist Church, please visit tbcashville.org. Or to learn more about our senior pastor, Dr. Ralph Sexton, please visit ralphsextonministries.com. The speaker for today is our senior pastor, Dr. Ralph Sexton. Thank you for being in God's house for our prayer meeting service tonight, and I'm grateful that we could meet to pray. I've had several phone calls from in-state and out-of-state and from uh, laymen and from preachers and from ministries over the last 48 hours, everyone saying, Pastor Ralph, what do you think? Or what might be your insight about what's happening in the world today? And I think that we always need to be prepared as people of faith to give a biblical answer. And our biblical answer is that we believe the Lord is coming back and that God is in charge and that He even controls the affairs of men. And so we're not nervous and we're not anxious. We're relaxed in the loving grace of God and our concern or our burden would be for the spiritual well-being of our families, our homes, our churches, and for our country. That this might be a time of awakening and stirring in the hearts of God's people. I want you to take your Bible tonight and turn with me to the book of Psalms, if you would, in the Old Testament, Psalms 137. And uh, let's look together at a verse concerning the Middle East and what we're seeing and experiencing in the world today. In Psalms 137 and verse number 5, If I forget thee, O Jerusalem, my, my, let my right hand forget her cunning. If I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. If I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy. When God was speaking to the Jewish people and he uh, gave them the word of God and the Psalms of David here, he said your chief joy, the happiest thing in your life, ought to be the fact that there's a city called Jerusalem and there's a temple there and that the Shekinah glory uh, is over the top of that temple. That means that God is in His house, that God is met with His people. We're looking one way today with all the breaking news reports as we give you this prophecy update about what happened in Iran, what happened earlier in the week with the uh, removal of this uh, terrorist that's responsible for over uh, 600 deaths of American uh, men and women. Countless, countless wounded warriors. You see these wounded warrior commercials on TV and they've lost a limb, some of them multiple limbs. Well, those were taken uh, and injured by an IED, an improvised explosive device. And about uh, 85 to 90 percent of all those IEDs were put together and furnished by Iran. 
and they were in Iraq to damage and maim our soldiers and sometimes in other nations as well. Well, while we were looking at all this breaking news of Soleimani being uh, taken out and then the Iranians shooting multiple missiles last night uh, into Iraq, which was actually an act of war against Iraq, not America. That's the Iraqi air base that was attacked. And uh, we had American troops bivouac there. But uh, if we think about what's happening, while that was going on and while that was in the news, today in Jerusalem was some more breaking prophetic news. At the Colette Prophecy Forum, the policy forum that uh, deals with the future of the nation of Israel, uh, the leaders met there to discuss the importance of their presence in what we call, biblically, Judea and Samaria. You hear it in the news referred to sometimes as the West Bank. And Prime Minister Netanyahu today, I'm going to read his statement so I don't misquote him. If Israel is not present on the hills of Judea and Samaria, the Islamists will take over instead. In other words, if, if Israel's not there, it, then in the suburbs of Jerusalem will be this Islamic terrorist world. As he was giving his speech, he was interrupted uh, with the comments of a rabbi, Rabbi uh, Yehuda Glick and a lot of you that were with us year before last in the Holy Land you were there when uh, Rabbi Glick was in the parliament and he invited us to the Knesset and we went in for a private session with him and uh, he quoted scriptures and preached to us I told Pastor Donnie I'm going to book him for the Jubilee he was, I mean he got all excited and was preaching uh, about the coming Messiah well, in the middle of Netanyahu's speech today, he interrupted the prime minister and he said, not only Judea and Samaria, but the same with the Temple Mount. Oh, yeah. And then the, one of the reporters asked the rabbi, he said, uh, why did you make that comment publicly? And his response was, you have to keep saying it. If you don't say it, you'll forget it. And that's what I just read to you out of Psalms 137. God said we got to keep talking about it. We don't forget it, that Jerusalem should not be forgotten. He's, and he challenged the people of Israel with these things that would happen if they did forget to quit and stop talking about Jerusalem. The next speaker of the day at the policy conference today was Defense Minister uh, Nafentali Bennett. And uh, Minister Bennett, he made some important statements today about the nation of Israel and our country and our locations. And he went from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south. He went from the Mediterranean to the River Jordan. And he highlighted all the important places there. And right in the middle of his speech, Rabbi Glick said, and the Temple Mount. And you know what Minister Bennett did? He stopped and he said, you're absolutely right, Yehuda, also the Temple Mount. Turn with me in the Old Testament to the book of Zechariah, 
if you would. And we're going to follow what was happening in Jerusalem today. Go to Zechariah chapter 12. Zechariah 12. And as they were in Jerusalem just a few hours ahead of us today, and they were talking about Jerusalem and the city, God, think about this, 3,000 years ago, things were written down about today that we're living in. I'm always fascinated with the precise, informative word that comes out of our Bible. I mean, God and the, the prophets, they were not embarrassed to go out on a limb and, and say exactly about certain events, times, and places. And look what they said here in Zechariah chapter 12. It says in verse number 2, Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about, when they shall be in siege both against Judah, that's what we were just talking about, Judea and Samaria, and against Jerusalem. Now we know this is future tense. We know this is yet to happen. But you don't ever get somewhere without starting the journey. Remember what I told you when we were doing that series on uh, the 2,000 years, 2,000 years, and 2,000 years. Genesis chapter number 1. We would go all the way down to Genesis 12. That's 2,000 years. Genesis 12, Acts 2, 2,000 years. Acts 2 to the book of Revelation, 2,000 years. So that's 2, 4, 6,000 years. We know the Bible says a day with the Lord is as a 1,000 years, and a 1,000 years is as one day. So that's 6,000 years or 6 days. And how long is there going to be the millennial reign of Christ? 1,000 years. So that's the 7th day. And God worked 6 days, rested on the 7th, and then we realize that we're coming up to the transfer of the sixth day into the seventh day, and we're alive to see all this, and it's on our watch. And you talk about a prophetic update, is to realize it's happening between services on the Lord's Day. I mean, we used to talk about one or two prophetic things a year. Now we're talking about two or three between Sunday to Sunday. It's just exploding. And today, while we were watching Iran, they were in Jerusalem fulfilling these prophetic words. He said, I'm going to make Jerusalem. It's coming. But for me to get to that speaker in front of me, I'm standing at this point in time, but to get to that point in time, I have to make a journey. I have to make a trip. And so if I work backwards in prophecy, and I'm going to give you an update in the next few weeks on 1948, because we're refining some more research and bringing it to you with a visual as the beginning of the end. If I'm moving forward to this intersection, then when my foot raises up, I'm starting the journey. I'm taking steps. I'm moving. I'm not there yet, but I'm on the way. And so what happened in Jerusalem today, they're not in Zechariah 12. But boy, they started walking that way. They started moving that way. They're talking about Judea. They're talking about Jerusalem, the Temple Mount. And they're saying it's a problem. It's a burdensome stone. We got to worry about NATO. We got to worry about the United Nations. We got to worry about the European Union. We got to worry about 
the Russians. We've got to worry about the Chinese. Why are all these nations around the world poking their nose into Jerusalem? I mean, why, why are they all interested in what happens? Do, do they know something we don't know? Why does the whole world have an interest in this piece of real estate? Now look what it says. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling to all the people round about. And when they shall be in siege, in siege both against Judah and against Jerusalem. So we know that there's a tribulation time coming. We know there's a war coming. We're not there yet, but we're in that preparatory time. Look at verse 3. And in that day will I make Jerusalem a what? Burdensome stone for all people. For all people. Not not just Israel, but for the Chinese and for the Russians and for NATO and the European Union. The Bible says all people. And, and, and what he says there, Brother Bill, is that burdensome stone. That burdensome stone is a millstone. That's that big, big rock we see over in Israel that they grind on and it's got a hole in the middle. And he said, it's better for you to have one of those tied around your neck and you try to walk around, it's a burden. You can't carry a millstone. And he said, that's what Jerusalem is to the rest of the world. They're doing something they don't even know they're doing. And they don't know why they're doing it. But it's happening. In Revelation chapter 17, verse number 7, God says right before the Antichrist is revealed, He will move in the hearts of princes, presidents, and kings. He will make them do stuff. They don't know why they are doing it. They don't understand what's taking place. All right? So uh, let me give you another verse. While we're in the Old Testament, uh, go back to the book of Psalms and uh, turn with me to Psalms uh, 83. And we'll look together at the Word of God as we see these events coming just one after the other all day long and you're seeing them happen and when you get to Psalms 83 it says uh, in verse number 2 for lo thine enemies make atonement and they hate thee have lifted up the head now look at verse 3 of Psalms 83 they have taken crafty counsel against thy people and consulted against thy hidden ones, the Jewish people that have been hidden around the world. Look at verse 4. And they have said, Come and let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be no more in their remembrance. What have you heard over and over the last two weeks from Iran? What have they been saying over and over? We're going to wipe Israel out. We're going to wipe Israel out. What did Saddam Hussein say? What was his big speech? He said, if the Arab League will give me the say-so, he said, I will push Israel into the Mediterranean and we will not stop until we drown every Jew. We'll completely eradicate Boys, girls, babies, moms and dads, there won't be a Jew left in the Middle East. How'd that work out for him? Huh? Do you understand 
that they're not fighting a little piece of real estate. They're fighting a holy God. And that's, that's what people that don't go to church or understand biblical things, that's why your co-workers, some of them will even get mad when people respond biblically because it doesn't make sense to them. Y'all are just trying to start a war, trying to blow things up. God's in charge of the Middle East. God's going to protect the little nation of Israel. And we don't even know what weapons that God's already given to the nation of Israel that no one else in the world might even have. So, uh, and listen, Psalms 83, verse number 4, it says, Come and let us cut them off from being a nation, and the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. You say, well, Brother Ralph, why do they hate them? I, I don't have time to go into this tonight because we're real short on time. But there's been a revival of anti-Semitic conduct around the world. But of all the strange things, one of the most inflamed areas of the United States is New York State. It is, and you know what? More Jews lived in New York till just a few years ago than lived in Israel. We had more Jews residing, living in New York City than we did in the nation of Israel. And yet all of a sudden, there's an explosive hatred. And, uh, and you're seeing this as a mantra of many in the north. And did you follow the story there in New Jersey about the shooting there in the deli, the grocery store? And you know why that was carried out? They were shouting Allah Aqaba as they went in and started killing Jews because this was a part of their religion to kill the Jew, they hate the Jew without a cause. And then you had all the incidents, the rabbi, the family having Passover. And what happened there? Uh, they were having a religious service and the man broke into the home and was stabbing them inside there. And the reason? Because they're Jews. Just because they're Jews. And then the, the cemetery attacked and Nazi swastikas painted on the, on the graves of the grandmothers and the mothers of Israel. And, and it's an unexplainable hatred. You say, well, why have been Jews hated all these years? Well, I'll tell you where it started. It started in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 15. When God promised there's going to be a redeemer, there has been a war against the Jew since that very day. The devil has been the instigator and the promoter of this. And what was he doing the day Jesus was born? The very time that Christ was on this earth. He got in the heart of Herod and he started killing every baby two years and under. Why? Because he's trying to stop the Redeemer. How does he do that? He kills the Jews. What did he do down in Egypt's land? He tried to kill the Jews. Why? I'm going to cut off the Redeemer. I'm going to cut off the bloodline that there'll be no hope for man. So this is not a Jewish war. This is the ultimate war between good and evil. The enemy of your soul, Lucifer, devil, Satan himself. He doesn't want there to be a Redeemer. He didn't want there to be a Christ. Jesus Christ the Lord, a kinsman Redeemer. And he's been trying to destroy him all the way down through the Word of God. So we had it there 
in Genesis 3. Then what do you have in Genesis chapter 12? You have the birth of Israel. Israel becomes a nation. Abraham's called out of the Ur of Chaldees. And what happens to uh, Lucifer? Because he sees, not only did I lose, and, and see, this struggle goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. That's why we had Cain and Abel killing each other. Was one of them going to be the, the Messiah or the Redeemer? But now, uh, hold your finger there where we are in Psalms 83. Flip over to Revelation 12. You've got to see this before you go home. Revelation chapter 12. And it says, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed under the sun, with the sun, and the moon under her feet. Okay? She's clothed in the sun, right? What's the symbol of the Islamic world? The moon. And where's the moon? Under her feet. And upon her head, a crown of 12 stars. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth, pained, she's agonizing to be delivered. Verse 3, and there appeared another wonder in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, seven crowns upon his head. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered, getting ready to have the baby, for to, de to devour her child as soon as it was to be born. Who's the woman? Nation of Israel. Who's the child? The Lord Jesus Christ. And who's the dragon? Lucifer, the devil. And look what happens. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God to his throne. I don't have time to go through all of this 12th chapter, but it has to do with the nation of Israel, and we know that when Lucifer sinned, he took a third part of the uh, angels with him out of heaven, and that's what Revelation says. He took a third part. So we see all of this. This is the ultimate struggle between good and evil. All right, go with me to Ezekiel 38. And let's look at Ezekiel 38. Ezekiel 38, Ezekiel 30, uh, 37, 38, 39. We're all through these uh, prophetic passages and we know that there's something going to happen. We know that something is about to take place. And what we see, and uh, for the sake of time, I'm just going to compress it Go to Ezekiel 38 and verse 5. Uh, Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya, with them, all of them with shield, with shield and helmet. Now, what are we talking about? Go to verse 1. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal and the prophecy against him. This is a coming war. This is a coming conflict. And you've got, when you read all through 37, 38, 39, we know that there's all the nations of the world are represented, the kings of the east, the, this Meshach Tubal, this is Russia, the bear of the north. And Monday, the Turkish parliament met 
They voted to send troops to Libya. Libya's back in play. It's the new home office of ISIS. So everything that's in this prophetic passage that we see them from Ethiopia, the ISIS stands that are there, Libya, and then we see Persia. And I'm going to focus on Persia for just about 10 minutes because Persia is modern-day Iran. And so in the margin of your Bible, if you'd like to go by verse 5, so you won't forget it, Persia equals Iran. Or you could write in your margin, Iran equals Persia. Now remember, Persians are not Arabs. Persians, uh, Iran, they're not Arabs. You say, well, they speak Arabic. They do, but they're not Arabs. They're Persians. And they actually have their own dialect, their own language. But they are not Arabs. And God lists them here as a separate place. But here's two or three things I thought in prophecy that you might be fascinated with. Persia, Iran, has threatened Satan and little Satan. Now, who would that be? Satan is America. Little Satan is the United States. If we go to an Arab nation, Saudi Arabia, they have a certain denomination, I guess is the best word to help you understand it, of the Islamic religion. And that is the Sunni Muslim, okay? If there wasn't an Israel, there would still be war in the Middle East between these denominations, Sunni and Shia. Iran, Persia is Shia. Now the reason there's an important distinction here for you is that the Shias have a part of their religion uh, of Islam, uh, what we call apocalyptic theology. They actually believe in a judgment day. They believe that there is going to be a great final war, okay? And it goes with a, what they call a Mahdi or a hidden Iman, and that he will come. And that what will provoke his appearance. Like you're here tonight, we've already prayed, even so come quickly, Lord Jesus. We prayed at the funeral today. Lord, please come. There's pain and suffering in the world. Come, Lord Jesus, all right? Well, they believe in a coming Messiah, but it is a Muslim Messiah. And a lot of people are not aware of that. I've got a whole teaching tape on it uh, that Miss Debbie uh, or Miss Stephanie can get for you. It's called the Muslim Messiah, where I do all that research on the Shia religion. But what you find out taking place there is that they believe uh, that there's going to be a great event, some type of struggle, and when that struggle comes, then the, it will provoke the hidden Iman to appear. And that he'll come, he'll deliver them, and the whole world will be converted to the Islamic religion. That's what they believe, okay? Now, at their mosque in Iran, Monday, they raised on the flagpole over that mosque the, what we call the flag of doom or the flag of the last day wars. They believe they're in a position now to provoke a war that will cause Satan and little Satan to be brought into a war that will cause the Iman to come 
and rescue the Islamic world. And I don't know if you saw the pictures on the news, but they raised that red flag, what they call the flag of doom or the flag of the last days. I had a good Marine friend send me a picture of that Muslim flag flying, and then right under it he had a picture of the United States Marine Corps flag right under it. And he said, well, they got a red flag of doom, but we got one too. And he said, it's the Marine Corps. <laughs> but, but prophetically, what they were doing was saying, we have arrived at that intersection, that we're now going to see this brought together. Okay? Now, I'm going to give you something just for fun. Because a lot of you not only love Bible prophecy, but some of you like to go to that subset of prophecy called gematria or gematria, and which is the study of the Hebrew alphabet that it has a number letter value, that every letter in the Hebrew alphabet, all 22 letters have a numerical value. Same thing is true in the Greek alphabet. We don't have that in the U.S. American English alphabet, but we do have it in the Phoenician alphabet, and we got our alphabet from the Phoenicians there on the coast of Israel. Uh, and that is an old basic system of A equals 6, B equals 12, C equals 18, uh, D equals 24, E equals 30. And you see how it goes on. It's adding 6 every time. And that's from the Phoenicians. And that is the numerology of that alphabet based on the what we now call our English alphabet. But the Greeks and the Hebrews, they had this way back when. In the time of Christ, there was number letter values and they would use letters and sometimes instead of numbers and numbers instead of letters. It was interchangeable. Okay? So I'm going to give you something for fun, for interest. When the United States was threatened this week by Persia, Iran, President Trump answered in a strong statement, but it was a very interesting statement. He said, I've never heard this before, but he said, if you attack and his red line through this whole process has been if an American dies, not if we blow up a ship or we uh, make a tank breakdown, but it's the loss of blood. That was his red line. His red line was connected to American blood. And when that American contractor was killed after being warned, then he said, you've crossed the red line. And he responded and the terrorist leader was taken out. Well, when they threatened this week, he said, well, if you attack us again, I've already targeted 52 sites in Iran. 52. And if you go back with me to Ezekiel 38 and you take the word Magog, M-A-G-O-G, and we convert it into Hebrew letters and we add up the numerical value of Magog, it's 52. 52. The name of the last day wars was answered when President Trump said we got 52 sites targeted. The next thing that happened uh, later that day was CNN did a news story and they said the United States is responding. 
We're beefing up our troops, and we're launching six Stratofortress B-52 bombers. And those uh, B-52 bombers were launched out of Louisiana, uh, Barksdale, Louisiana Air Force Base, and they were sent uh, out to uh, the island of Dago Garcia, and uh, those were B-52 bombers. And again, that number 52 jumped up in the news cycle again with those that were studying. And of course, what Trump was referring to, he was referring to one citizen that was held captive when the, the Iranians took over our embassy uh, November 4th, 1979, and they held our citizens for 444 days. So when we go through this prophetic update, we see all these things happening at the same time, but uh, the strata forces or the B-52 bombers, the strata fortresses were placed there, but that's 2,300 miles from Iran. You say, well, how does that help? A B-52 bomber has a combat range fully loaded of 8,800 miles. So they can go and deliver the mail and go back without being refueled. 8,800 miles fully loaded with full armament and personnel and a round trip. Oh, by the way, let me give you one more uh, you might enjoy, numerology from the Hebrew side. I'm getting all this stuff from Israel because they're all caught up in it right now. So they took the name Donald Trump and they wrote it in Hebrew letters. And it has a numerical value of 424. And listen to what that is in Hebrew. Donald Trump equals Messiah for the house of David. Messiah for the house of David. Now there's an organization in Israel uh, that is a teaching organization. It's an educational center, Mikdash. And they have printed a document. I, I, let me quickly show you. Give me five minutes. Let me show you. Here's, uh, this is their document from Jerusalem. Seventy years. To fulfill 70 years. Here's the menorah, and here it is in Hebrew. Now, here, look at number one. The menorah was always the symbol of the Jewish nation, representing the light of the temple, spreading out to the world after Isaiah 60, verse 3. As predicted by the prophets, 70 years after the destruction of the first temple by the Babylonians, the people of Israel returned to their homeland and they rebuilt the second temple. All right? This menorah, carried by Jewish slaves, is actually engraved on Titus Arch in Rome, Italy, depicting the destruction of the second temple. All right, let's go to the next slide. The dove, which is on this temple coin, is the universal symbol of peace. It's holding an olive branch in its beak. And it's asked uh, the prophet Isaiah 60 and verse 8, who are these that float like a cloud, like doves to their nest? And this answer to the verse written in Hebrew, English, and Arabic describes the people coming back to the land of Israel. That's the dove coming home to the nest. It's the Jews from around the world coming back in. Slide three. Let's look at this next one. The coin calls for the continuation of the gathering of the Jewish exiles from all corners of the globe, like doves coming back to their nest. 
to the land of Israel, to Jerusalem, to the temple, to peace in the world through the establishment of the third temple and the realization of the prophetic vision. Now remember, I'm reading you a Jewish document. Don't lose sight of that. This is not a, an American document. This is not Baptist, Presbyterian, Methodist, Church of God. This is a Jewish document, and this is their coin. And uh, we uh, had a few here uh, Pastor Donnie brought back, and we've ordered some more because some of you wanted them for your own research and for the share. But uh, go to this next slide. I want you to read this. This is unbelievable. Now remember, this is Jews writing. To express joy and gratitude to the President Donald Trump for the moving the American Embassy to Jerusalem, the Great Seal of America was minted on the coin next to Trump's image. President Trump is advancing a prophetic process that will usher in the rebuilding of the Third Temple. Can you believe that? And it is if he is following the footsteps of King Cyrus, who pronounced after 70 years of Je Jewish exile that Hashim, the Lord of the world, charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem. So you are alive when things that are written in Ezekiel, Zechariah, and Daniel that have been sitting there for 3,000 years, and in your lifetime, boom, 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 boom. All of a sudden, they're exploding. They've sat there for centuries, for, and they haven't, nothing's happened. And now all of a sudden, they're happening so fast. Give me the next slide, if you would, please. Here is the coin that calls for the continuation of the ingathering of the Jewish exiles, uh, and it says, to the land of Israel, the temple, and to peace to the world through this third temple, the realization of the prophetic vision. They believe it's time to build the temple to, to bring all Zechariah, Daniel, Ezekiel, to bring them all together. Bring me the last page, if you would. Uh, next one up. Didn't get it. The Persian Empire, the symbol of the lion has always been the symbol of the Persian Empire from King Cyrus. And this is the famous Declaration of Lights symbolized the historic role of the Iranian leadership, all right? And that is on the coin as well. All right, the next one, the last one. I think there's one more showing where this was formulated from. Okay. Okay. Let me have the paper. What I was trying to get is that last symbol off the bottom. Uh, and what it is, is this dark blue one right here. And what it says, this is the Dash Educational Center, and it gives the address and the phone number saying that it was produced in Israel. Because I wanted you to know, we didn't do this. No Baptist group did this. No American church. This is a Jewish religious organization, and they said all those things that are happening. So I've got one more thing to tell you. But I can't tell you why we're on the internet. Thank you for being with us today. I pray that today God spoke to your heart. You know, it's one thing to hear Ralph talk. It's one thing to hear a choir sing. It's one thing to hear a group bring a special song presentation. But it's altogether different when you're sitting there in that hotel room, in your house, maybe listening on your phone while you're at work, 
God speaks to your heart. That's not me. That's not a Baptist or Methodist or Presbyterian church. That's God. That's personal. That's you. And the Bible teaches quite clearly that when God touches your heart, when He speaks to you, that you can call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This Bible teaches that all of us have to have Him. You say, well, Brother Ralph, your dad was a preacher. My dad being a preacher couldn't help me. Well, you say your mama taught Sunday school and she prayed. That couldn't help me. The Bible says that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says, not me, not the Baptist, the Bible says that there's none righteous, though not one. Today is the day of salvation. You can begin anew. It can start over. The past can be covered by the blood. You can get out of living in your rearview mirror, the guilt, the problems. God can forgive you and you can start over today. You say, Brother Ralph, how's that possible? Well, a simple prayer is that very beginning. God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me. And I promise you, God, from this day forward, I'll serve you with the rest of my life. You can begin again in Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to read your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you call us, you write to us. We'll send you a copy of the Word of God. And I want to encourage you to get into a local church, a church in your community, that you can have a fellowship of faith that will help you grow and teach you about the Word of God. Today's the day of salvation. This is the first day of the rest of your life. Let's serve the Lord together and let's meet each other in heaven. I'll be praying for you and I ask you to pray for me.